Let's begin this morning. Let's ask the Lord's blessing upon our study. Oh, Father, we never fail and should not fail to come to you before we open up the word for you alone are the one who gives us understanding. You alone are the one who blesses the word to the heart. And so, Lord, we plead this day that you would do so. You would take the words that are spoken and bring it home to each of our hearts. We do plead, Lord, for your blessing upon this hour. In your precious name, amen. Turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 13. We want to consider once again a couple of verses in this chapter. Hebrews chapter 13, beginning with verse 5. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? We know that in the book of Hebrews, the Hebrew writer often is concerned with the position that the people of God are in. Are they following the commandments of our Lord Jesus Christ? Are they walking in grace? What dangers do face them? How they must be so careful because the enemy deceives and does a great job at it. And so there's all the way through this call for us to be careful in our walk before the Lord. But in the midst of all of this, the Hebrew writer also uh, gives us a word of great encouragement. We are creatures that are easily discouraged. We are creatures uh, that often um, the affairs of life overwhelm us. And the Lord gives to his people a sense of his presence and a sense of his care. But even in the midst of encouraging God's people, he gives as well a caution and an exhortation. And this is where we pick up in verse 5 of Hebrews 13. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. This is an area that plagues the people of God so often because so often the people of God have very little. There are some in the scriptures that know the Lord and have become very wealthy. But even there, there must be a carefulness as to how we look at the, um, the pluses that this world offers. 
So he speaks against the matter of covetousness. He says that covetousness we must not have. And of course, in Colossians 3, 5, Paul calls covetousness idolatry because covetousness brings our focus upon the things of this life and upon our situation. And we fail many times to worship our God. And therefore, when we are covetous, And when uh, we seek the things of this world materially as such, then our idol becomes that of stuff and things that we can acquire and thinking that that will sustain us and that that will make us happy. And uh, therefore, covetousness takes us away from the true and living God. The idol uh, consists many times of food or material things or money or pleasures, all of these things in the realm of covetousness. And we know that our commitment uh, to our God is such as spoken in Holy Scripture in Deuteronomy uh, chapter 6, 4, and 5, that we're to love our God with all of our hearts and all of our minds, that we are uh, to give total allegiance and devotion uh, to him. And so often, however, this sin of covetousness raises its ugly head and causes us to doubt our God and to turn our eyes away from our God as the one who sustains us, as the one who keeps us by his grace. Well, some of the things that we can say regarding the signs of covetousness is this. A person is covetous when they pursue the pleasures of this evil age at the expense of obedience and worship unto God. You'd rather pursue those things that gratify your flesh rather than obeying and worshiping God, desiring, coveting, wanting the pleasures of this evil age sometimes causes us to lose focus in our walk, in our obedience unto our God. Covetousness as well is when we are always craving for more than what Uh, you have or what you need, and that which God provides. We become unhappy with God. We become unhappy with our situation, and we continually crave for a lot more. Uh, Now we are, as it were, living and able to function, and our basic needs are covered, but we want far more. We're always craving for more and more. That's a covetous spirit. As well, a covetous spirit is when we are discontent and troubled with our poor uh, condition. Uh, We want more than simply our daily bread. And we believe that the more we have in this life, whether it's material goods or not, Uh, that that is what will sustain us, that will keep us uh, going. But listen 
um, to the Apostle Paul in Philippians. In Philippians, the fourth chapter, here's what um, Paul says. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 11. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I, I am in to be content. Paul went through different stages. Sometimes he had food to eat. He had a roof over his house. But at other times, he just had the shirt on his back. And many times that was taken away because he was in prison. But whatever God brought in whatever condition he was in, he learned to be uh, content. Sometimes he had, other times he did not have. Listen to the way that the Lord Jesus uh, speaks in Matthew, the sixth chapter. In Matthew, the sixth chapter, in verse 24 of that chapter. Our Lord says, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And then he says this, verse 25, therefore, the light of this, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more uh, than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his statue? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, and yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness. All these things will be added unto you. You will be taken care of. God will supply your need. What little faith that you have. This does not mean that you do not take within yourself the responsibility to work. No. You are to work and you are to seek 
employment, and you are uh, to provide for the home, and you are not to be lazy, and you are not to take other people's uh, goods as such while you sit in a lazy state. No, but being diligent and doing your responsibility, we must not, as the people of God, fear regarding how we're going to live. So often, it comes within a household, how am I going to make it this next month? And yet the Lord always provides. Uh, Where am I going to move? And yet the Lord always provides. What shall I eat? And the Lord always gives us food. We're here today. We've made it all of these years. God is one who supplies the needs of his people. So there is that tender care of the Lord God. When the Lord exhorts us, as he does earlier in this sermon, he says that we're to pray for our daily bread. We are to appreciate what he does, and we are to seek his face, and we are not to take it for granted, and we are not to just think, well, automatically everything will fall into our lap. We are to pray to him. We are to depend upon him. But he so moves in providence and he so moves in a way uh, that he sustains his people. And so uh, what are the basic uh, necessities? Uh, Don't worry about what you're going to eat. Uh, Don't worry about the clothing on your back. I'll supply uh, these things. And he has. And many of us have stories of the way that uh, God uh, brought things about. You just think, well, uh, there's no way I can find a job, and suddenly a job uh, comes your way. I don't know how I'm going to pay this, but then uh, the Lord provides a way uh, to pay for their different necessities. But what the Hebrew writer is speaking of and what Paul speaks of in Colossians 3, 5, is when we set our affections upon the things of this world and we want far more than what we need and we simply don't want a car, but we want um, the greatest car and the most expensive car. We don't just want clothing, but we want the most expensive clothing. We don't simply want a house, but we want a mansion, and so to speak. And people spend all of their lives totally engulfed in pursuing all the riches and all of the things of life, thinking that in the end, two things. One, it will bring happiness And secondly, that it will sustain them. If I have a million dollars in the bank, uh, then I will be able uh, to live comfortably. I'm sustained. I, I am kept. And yet, how often it is, the Lord said to one man, with all of your riches, how foolish you are because this night, Your life is required, and then what? You have no way of saving yourself. And so the Lord gives great comfort 
uh, to the people of God. Uh, the Hebrew writer cautions, as it were, that we don't give ourselves to a covetous uh, spirit, but to be content with the things uh, that God gives. God knows what we need. You know that? God knows what we can handle. And so often, we think we can handle more than what we have, and if we get more than what we have, we begin to worship it, and we begin to rely on it, and we begin uh, to look the other way from God to idols, and therefore, at the expense of obedience to Christ, we pursue and spend our times after that, uh, which will fade away and uh, will uh, someday come uh, to naught. Now the Lord, when he speaks to us in this passage, and he warns us, he exhorts us, that we are not to be covetous, but we are to be content with the things that we have. He gives this promise. And this is the promise that is special. This is a, a promise that is so encouraging. This is one that sustains the heart of believers. And no matter what situation they are in, for he says in the latter part of verse 5, for he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can come boldly and we can say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. doesn't matter what happens. It looks very dark. It looks very bleak, but that's okay. It doesn't matter because the Lord is my helper and I am not going to fear. I am not going to be anxious. And I'm certainly not going to be anxious regarding those who oppose me, um, those who are against me, um, those uh, that hate God and hate the Lord um, that I uh, trust in and would seek to do me harm and even to take my life, as it were. What can men do unto me? Uh, they can't do anything. But uh, it is what God allows it to be done. He is sovereign. He is mighty. He is the one who sustains us. Well, there are many passages in the scriptures uh, to show his mercy and his loving care for his people. We are his family if we are in him. Uh, we are his children and he's a loving father. He's a responsible father. And he is one that will take care of us and do everything in his strength and might to protect us and to give us what we need. Now, when you talk about God, he's absolute sovereign and mighty. And therefore, whatever he deems to be done will indeed be done because he is the very God. Listen unto the psalmist in Psalm uh, 56. Notice uh, what the psalmist says. 
in verse 3 and 4 of Psalm 56, whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. In God, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust. I will not fear what can flesh undo unto me. The very same of what the Hebrew writer is, is saying. Therefore, I'm not afraid. I'm not, I don't go around with anxiety. Lord, what will happen tomorrow? No, no. I am in the realm of responsibility. I am seeking to work and to work in what God has provided. And all these things will come. In God, I will praise his word and put my trust. You see, here is the matter of faith. And so often we don't have faith as we should. We don't trust as we should. Are we not trusting the Lord Christ that he will save our soul? Then what is it but to sustain us physically, spiritually here upon this earth? And he takes care of us in both counts, that of the spiritual and that of the physical. Listen to what and how it's put in Philippians chapter 1. In Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6, the Apostle Paul says uh, this. He says, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. He has started a work in you if he's redeemed you. He's given you a new heart, and he will sustain you. He will uh, keep you. That work that he has begun, he will complete. And if he completes, that means that you're going to make it. That means that he'll provide everything in between. He has saved you, and he will complete it and bring you to glory and therefore, between those two things, his helping hand, sustaining hand, his gracious providence will always be active on behalf of his children, supplying what they need, not what they want, uh, but what um, they need in living before him. Look at First uh, uh, Peter, uh, chapter five. In First Peter, the fifth uh, chapter, this is what we again read. Peter says this regarding our relationship um, to our God. He says in verse six, "Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time." Casting all your care upon him. What? For he cares for you. If he cares for you, he'll take care of you. He's not delinquent. He's not like the sinful fathers of our day and families of our day. He'll take care so we can come. And we are exhorted to cast 
all of our cares. That is, we come by way of prayer to him and lay it out before him. Lord, look at what is needed here. I don't know where the daily food will come this next day. And we put our cares in his hand. And the promise is, I'll take care of you. I'll take care of you. Don't worry. I'll take care of you. You see, for a believer, worry, worry about life, situation, is a very sinful thing because we have a great and glorious God. If he so designs in his care for us uh, that our house burns down, it is not because he's lost that responsibility or his gracious mercy in taking care of us. It's that he's teaching us that we must trust in him even more. He burns down the house, um, but he will still sustain. So not everything goes exactly the way that we think. And the care that he gives is not always the way uh, that we think. Sometimes we have the attitude that we're going to help God out. Okay, this is what I need. This is what you got to do tomorrow. This is, this is, no, no. The God will always do what is right and what is proper and what is good for you. And he treats us as individuals and he works in our life by his gracious providence. Again, the Psalms are filled, of course, with these words of great comfort regarding our God. In uh, Psalm 34 and verse uh, 4, the psalmist says, I sought the Lord, and he heard me and delivered me from all of my fears. Sometimes we fear regarding what's going to happen to us. We fear uh, regarding our life. And what do we do? But so often in a sinful manner, we sit and sulk and we sit in our fears. And yet, what does he say? He says, no. He says, I sought the Lord and he heard me. There is that matter of pursuing God in prayer. That is, pleading before him. We don't just sit back and think that God is one that just comes down out of the heavens and we sit in our rocking chair and he just pours this uh, material good here, this material good there. No. We plead for our daily bread. And we seek him. But when we seek him and he hears the cries of his children, it is that moving God um, to come and in his providence to care uh, for his uh, children. In verse 8 of that psalm, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. For a true child of God, as he walks before God, that's one thing he can say. He can say, 
Oh, I've tasted of the Lord's goodness, and it is good. It is gracious. Uh, blessed is the man who trusts in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. There is no lack to those who fear him. The young lions lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. doesn't say that they uh, will not lack whatever you want or the things that we want, but good things, those things appropriate to them, those things that are best fitting for them, and those things that will add um, to their devotion um, towards their God, trust in their God, praise in their God. Listen again in Psalm 34, verse 15, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. Isn't that amazing to think about it? As we sit here in a figurative way that we can understand, the psalmist says, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their cry. You never have to doubt. You never have to come and say, now, do you think the Lord will hear me? I mean, I mean do, do, do you think he's paying attention? In human language that we can understand, um, for uh, God is everywhere. He sees everything. But for our understanding, his eyes, that is his favor, his blessing is upon um, the righteous. His care is upon the righteous. And his ears are open to their cry. But that means they're crying. That means they're praying. That means they're involved in seeking uh, the Lord, showing that they have complete trust. There isn't the spirit of covetousness. Lord, whatever you give me, I am content. Whatever you give me, uh, uh, that uh, it is your bountiful mercies and, and it's so glorious and mighty the way that you sustain. I'm, I'm thankful for anything in the way that you uh, take care of me. So I have a shirt. And it has a hole in it, but I have a shirt. And it's not a $2,000, but it is a shirt. Lord, thank you. It covers me. Thank you for sustaining me. Now, that is not to say uh, that in our responsibility to work, and as we work, and as we pursue to be diligent, that God will not bless us. Abraham was a very wealthy man. Job was a very wealthy man. And the Lord may bless where he will give and supply far beyond what you need because he's a gracious, loving God. And he will do so. But the point that the apostle says, whatever, 
if he so blesses me uh, to where I become wealthy in the sense that I do have material goods and I I do enjoy those material goods, uh, praise him. But in doing that, I must be very, very careful that I'm not covetous and want even more, but I fix my eyes upon the Lord. But if he so deems me to be very poor, and so be it. I am still uh, content, whatever situation uh, that I am in. The Lord is one that the Hebrew writer says, he will never leave you. And he's very, very emphatic when he uh, speaks this way. When he speaks this way in Hebrews 13 and verse 6, Uh, he is showing the fruit of it. But in verse 5, when he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you, the language there is as if he is saying, I will never, never, no, I will never, don't worry, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you, emphasizing it's strong that the people of God might take heart. You see, the Hebrew believers were suffering persecution, and they had lost all their goods. And their goods, in Hebrews chapter 10, were taken away and destroyed their houses, their livelihood. And so here, they're in the tough spot. And the Lord says, I'll take care of you. I'll take care of you. You're persecuted for my name's sake. I will take care of you, and I will never leave you. So it isn't a matter of taking care of you and saying, okay, now you're on your own. Um, But it is a continuum, never failing, always there, taking care of us. Listen. To what our Lord says regarding the spiritual aspect. He says in John 10 and verse 28, and I give them eternal life and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. When it comes to the greatest and the greatest thing is our salvation in him, doesn't matter how Satan attacks. It doesn't matter how the world attacks. Uh, they cannot take us away uh, from the Lord Jesus Christ. No one will snatch us out of his hand. He will protect us. He will keep us. And we will be with him in glory. What a tremendous, tremendous blessing, encouragement. So here we are. You're facing different situations. Here you are, and you're battling the sins of your own heart. Here you are, and you're looking at material goods and aspects of just basic living. Where do you put your trust? Where is your comfort? Where is it uh, that... You cry out. Is it to man or is it to God? Is there a crying to him? 
Is there appreciation for his mercy and his grace in your life? And do you trust him that he is one that has said that I, the living God, will never leave you? I will never forsake you. That being the case, we can say, can't we, as the people of God, come what may, doesn't matter, come what may. Drag me off, throw me in jail because of my faith, beat me, shoot me, whatever. The Lord will always be there. He'll never forsake. What a tremendous, tremendous blessing that is in trial. May we not look to men. May we not look to our goods. May we constantly look to God our Father who cares for us. Shall we pray? Our Father, we thank you so much for the promises that you give us. Thank you so much for the way that you supply all of our needs. We are here today all the way through life all the different circumstances and all the different roads that were windy, twisty in life. And yet, you have given us life. You have sustained us. You have kept us. We do thank you, do praise you. And may we never doubt your care and your love for us in Christ. In his name, amen.